Welcome back to another episode of the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. Today is episode number 38, which means, of course you guessed it, because you are brilliant. You can find today's show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 038, and in those show notes you will find a mess of links. I'm not joking, there are so many links in there that you can click on, and you could probably waste half your day clicking on those links. But there's some goodies in there. Including those goodies are links to our guests' webpage and our guests' Pinterest board. Um, myself, I am not one for Pinterest. I have enough chores and tasks to do around the house. Um, I will save creating a couch out of pallets until I am in those silver years of, of my fine life. I'm not quite there yet. But there's lots of other good things on Pinterest, like my guest. So today, uh, my guest is Miss Carrie Van Hooser. And um, yeah, she's got a, a website called Ask a Homeschool Mom. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about um, her, her homeschool journey. We are going to talk about her website and, uh, and what it can provide you for free. That's right, free. Anyway, uh, stick around and... Uh, Let's go plant those liberty seeds with Miss Carrie Van Hooser. My guest today is Miss Carrie Van Hooser. She is a homeschooling mom of at least 25 years. Um, I know that that's what the website says, but uh, we always neglect to update those things as, as time rolls by. So maybe it's longer. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, that website I speak of is askahomeschoolmom.net, and you can go check that out and uh, ask her ask her some questions, and, and she will respond to you. It's a, it's a wonderful little website and a wonderful setup. So Carrie, thank you for taking the time out today to, uh, to talk and to, uh, get into it. I'm glad to be here. So you're a homeschool mom. Is it still 25 years or is that, is that like a, a little bit old? No, my oldest daughter is 25. Okay. All right. All right. Cause I, I know sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, you write a bio and a year goes by, two years goes by and, you know, you leave the numbers the same, but, um, so you've been homeschooling for 25 years then how, and, and your oldest is 25. What's, how old is your, uh, your youngest? 13. 13. Okay. So you're still, you're still in the thick of it then. Right. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you, I guess when, when your daughter was born, was, uh, was homeschooling something that was, was on your mind? Before. My husband and I were married. He told me that if we had children, that they were to be homeschooled during junior high. <laughs> I could decide what to do the rest of the time. And so that's what planted the seed. Okay. All right. And, and I, I, do you know his reasonings for that? Middle school age? Did you go to junior high? <laughs> okay. That was what I, I assumed. I didn't know if I... You know. <laughs> because if you can get through junior high... With your identity tied to your family and people giving you encouraging words and people valuing the things that you are good at, I think that you can then get through 
everything else less paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those that that's uh, those are some some tumultuous years for sure. That seventh and eighth grade is is tough, and then uh, it, it hits again. I think about sophomore year, kids kind of trying to figure themselves out in the grand scheme of things, but really that that middle school time is is tricky. Tricky. So, did you did you go to public school as kids? You and your husband. I did. I went. Both of us went to public school. Both of us were very. I was very good at school. He was very smart and was able, you know, to get through school. And I graduated from college with a teaching degree. And then I taught public school until I had children. Okay. How long were you uh, in the public school system for? Just about three years. Okay. And where whereabouts was that? Waco in Texas. And what did you, what did you teach? Mostly Texas history, but also science and math some years. Okay. What, so were you, was that like a elementary ed? It was junior high. Junior high. Okay. All right. So you were, hmm, you're dealing, dealing with that. I I taught for a couple of years, but, um, not, not middle school. I, I, I have a couple of friends that, uh, love it. I, I didn't enjoy it doing my student teaching, but. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they make me laugh. And <laughs> so that helps a lot. And I was able to teach in a way where I elevated their research skills and their speaking skills. And so it was a happy time for me. And I think for the junior high students also. Yeah. W- were there, um, so that was early 90s? Yes. I guess. Okay. We're, I'm trying to remember. I think I don't, I don't remember. I was too young at that point. I, um, but the standards were, were they starting to roll in the, the standardized testing around then? I, I remember some stuff in middle school, which is, I think was probably about then, but. Yeah, I don't know. It was a long time ago. Okay. Uh, and I taught subjects that didn't get tested. Okay. So. That's, that's nice. That's uh such a buzzkill when you you have to teach and that's what you're teaching is is testing you know yeah i have a neighbor who when she told me she taught english i said what a dream job (laughs) and she said it would be if she could teach english yeah yeah well that's it you just have to prepare for a test Yeah, yeah so when you uh yeah i guess when your daughter was born you you got out of the the workforce then and just kind of stayed out at that point yeah Yes. And then we were just glad to, um, as we added children to just have their disciple, you know, to have my disciples at home with me and live our whole day together and let their hearts get tied towards one another as siblings. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a lot to be said for, for the relationships that you can build when you're not shipping your, your kid off for six, seven, eight hours a day. Um, yeah. You know, to be discipled by someone else and to learn traits from other people <laughs> that might be irritating when they come home. This morning we went and played tennis and we rented a ball machine and my two younger children that are still at home were sh- hitting off the ball machine while the other one adjusted it. And I, at lunch, I just said, you know, I really admire y'all for being kind to each other to so cheerfully adjust the machine while the other one hit and stay there as a helper. And both of them said, it's your fault. <laughs> Everything you poured into that is paying off. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's always always a good thing, you know. I'm kind of curious then, did you, 
because that was mid nineties. Was there a lot of homeschooling going on? I know you're in Texas. Every I, I've the the number of people that I've talked to from Texas is is just very disproportionate. Um, so I'm wondering, was there a lot of homeschoolers when you started? So uh, the homeschool group that was so strong in Waco actually started before homeschooling was legal. Okay. Once it was legalized, which was the year my daughter was born, um, I think I think the reason why your numbers are disproportionate is because Texas trusts parents to educate their own children. The law counts homeschooling as a private school. And so like a private school, we do not have to test and we do not have to homeschool a certain number of days. And that makes sense because as parents, we're only responsible to ourselves, whereas the school is trying to be responsible and report to the parents, thus the schooling and the number of, I mean, the testing and the number of days. In the state of Texas, we um, are required to teach reading, writing, which is broken down into spelling and grammar, math, and civics, which is interesting to me because those are really all skills, not subjects. And there's no requirements about when or how. You have to be bona fide. You know, you have to really be doing something intentionally. We do not have to report what we're doing. We don't have to submit um, lesson plans. Now, if you take your kiddo out of school, you need to send a letter to the school thanking them for what they've done <laughs> up to now and then say, you're taking over because the child will be counted as truant because the school thinks they're responsible for them because up until then, through registration, they have been responsible for your kiddo. Yeah. But otherwise, you don't have to tell anybody. So it was very easy for me to go from potty training to teaching the ABCs to teaching reading and just continue with homeschooling. Yeah. And you know, that, that really, I mean, that's, that's the way it, I think it was. And that's probably the way it, it should be. You know, I mean that you have that connection, you have that bond and you're able to, you're able to do that. You know, you're able to gauge what your, your child is capable of. And, you know, you, you hold your own kid to a, a higher expectation than you do somebody else's kid. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if they're your cousin or some stranger that um, you know is in your in your classroom. Um, I just think that's one of those things. So it's interesting that you guys have have that. It sounds um, kind of you know I, I'm in Georgia and it's similar to that. You know, in the sense that you write a letter and, and tell the school that uh, you know I, I, I got it from here. But um, there's definitely some places where it's it's just hard, and it, I can't imagine trying to submit lesson plans and all this stuff to the yeah. state, like constantly, you know, um, and it's, it's scary. It is, it's getting more difficult in, in some places, but, um, do you guys still have a co-op that you, uh, partake in or? We don't, we've moved and, uh, we have not done co-ops, uh, for a couple of different reasons. I'm really glad they exist. I think they provide a lot of strength to the homeschooling families and especially parents that need extra expertise for their children, mm-hmm. let's say in physics or calculus, but also that know that they want to homeschool but are uncertain about how to do it. So I think co-ops serve a great need. 
But for us, our daddy's schedule is different every day. And so it's just easier for us to adapt to him and be available to him. And on the days he's at work, we do our academics. And the days he's at home, we sail boats and repair cars and mow the yard and help grandparents on the farm and go on adventures. And the co-op really lends itself to being on a schedule and having deadlines and due dates that don't fit our family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. We, um, we just kind of started a co-op not too long ago, um, in the area. And it's, it's nice in that sense that it does, it does help people that, um, are new or that need a little bit of that, that structure. Um, and it's good too, to, to get the kids out and about, um, sometimes when, when you wouldn't, you know, um, I can't play soccer with my kid and have, you know, five, 10 people on a field, but I can do that you know, through this, this group, but at the same time, you're right. It sets you to a schedule. And, um, sometimes that schedule can just add a little bit of chaos that just you know, <laughs> sets it over. You're like, Try to get, gotta get here. Gotta get there. Gotta get here. You know, um, with shoes on. So did you guys, um, do you use a curriculum or you go more the, the unschooling route or, uh, well, uh, we do not use a curriculum. Um, um, Mrs. Maxwell of Titus Two Ministries, they have a homeschooling website. I heard her speak one time and she said they do use a curriculum. And she said that she was glad for it because on the days they decided to do school, they could just open the book and they knew where they left off. So I appreciate that uh, for a lot of people. For us, I really don't have time to learn everything that's predetermined in a curriculum. And for us to learn everything we really want to learn. So, yes, I would say there's unschooling, especially in our elementary years, where we follow uh, the children's interest. A question will come up and then we chase that rabbit uh, through as many forms as we can. Somebody wants to know if they can have a toucan for a pet. Well, I know good and well in Central Texas, the answer is no as I'm juggling a baby and a toddler and then this child that wants the juking. But instead of saying no, we get books. Uh, we get three books and we read them. Uh, some he reads to himself, some I read aloud, and then we make a chart of what that toucan needs. And at the end, the six-year-old says, oh, we can't have a toucan. Because he realized he couldn't feed it, he couldn't keep it at the right temperature, he couldn't give it enough space. And that it would not be good for the toucan. Oh man, yeah, the, those toucans are uh, are tricky birds, tricky birds. Mm -hmm. But no, it's uh, it is. It's it's. I'm not. We don't unschool. I, I would like to, but um, I'm curious how how was that for you coming from a teaching background? Um, how was that kind of letting go a little bit and and not, you know. Not, not controlling things or not, you know, pushing things or, or how, how did that go for you? That's an interesting question. I think it's the opposite. I think I was a homeschooler in the public schools. Right. Yeah. I let the children, um, let's say we were studying uh, Texas independence from Mexico or Waco local history. I would give them a list of everything that they could learn and then they picked. 
And then they presented the information to us, the class, in a way that they wanted to, whether it was a speech or a written report or a video or, a, you know, one kid chose a board game. Another ch- kid chose interviewing people in the community and then reported that back to us. And then they had a rubric where they were required to meet certain standards. But even in school, I was extending that freedom to my students. And so really, I don't think it was hard for me because I wasn't controlling as a teacher. So it was not hard once I was at home. And once, I mean, we're not complete flakes. I'm making (laughs) sure that the children are learning all the time. But instead of, say, a two-inch thick Apologia science book, which I know a lot of people like, and the author speaks to the student as if he's their only teacher, and that's why it's so thick, the book. But that just drains my children just to even look at that book. They're just so, ugh. But if I go to Dover Publishers and find a slim volume from the 1940s, 50s, or 60s, I can teach them the same concepts, not necessarily with the math, not including the vector part of physics and the math part of physics, but for junior high science or just to prepare them for the the high school level of science, I can use the Dover books like... um, biology experiments for children or physics experiments for children. And each day we conduct a demonstration that then reveals to us the concept we're trying to learn. So I've got all levels that I'm teaching at the same time and the different children can pick up what they need and what they can retain. I expect more from the older children when they give me a narration about our experiment. And when I have them, uh, write something down in their science journal, I expect a more complete sentence structure, a more complete under report, um, just a few sentences about what we learned. Whereas the younger kid might just learn a word in the definition, but they all got to do the hands-on experiment. And then the next day we do another one and we're all engaged and no one is dreading. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's interesting. I think there's um, a couple things there. I, I think the, uh, the when you, once you get into the learning by doing, mm-hmm. for me, it's just it's so much easier to to learn things. You know, like I can read as many books as I want about you know whatever building building a house, um, but until you've actually done it, until you've actually like seen how things go together, it's it can be confusing. It doesn't always make sense. Um, I think it's and another thing like I, I love is, is that being able to do a project with multiple age levels involved and they're all getting involved in it. They're all seeing it and they're all getting something different levels, you know, but then they'll go back and they'll do that experiment again, two years down the road, three years down the road, they'll, they'll see those concepts and be able to put them into, to practice in other areas of life. And it, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's uh, one of those things that when you stratify kids in the in the school mm-hmm. system, it just you lose certain certain aspects of things that um, might otherwise not be missing. But I don't know. Um, so you have two kids home right now. Yes, I've homeschooled four children uh, that range 
12 years between the oldest and the youngest. And the oldest graduated from college and went on to manage her grandparents' horse stables. And she trains horses and riders and then is an equestrian herself. And she specializes in a way of communicating with the horse called dressage. Mm-hmm. That might be most familiar to you as the horses in Spain, the Lippens Honor horses. They are trained um, in this dressage riding. And then my son is halfway through his pilot's license and he's studying foreign language at a school overseas devoted to preparing Christian missionaries. And then he's also their handyman in exchange for the tuition and board. Okay. And then my 16 and 13 year old, they mow the yards for us and the neighbors and the churchyard. And they play a variety of instruments like piano and ukulele on their own. Uh, One child had cello for a few years and has now taken that back up even without lessons. And they like to skate and draw every day. And then we do academics like um, reading, writing, uh, thinking is what I call math. Uh, We start our day with Bible every day. I've read the whole Bible to them over the course of the year. And then now the boys are reading it to us. So they get to practice not only leading a family, but also their rhetoric and their speaking skills and projecting their voice and organizing a group to be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, we try to get all that done before lunch. And then after lunch, it's personal project time. So they can pursue their photography skills or their drawing, drawing skills, or they're learning to repair a computer or it's um, impressive. What, whatever is of interest to them that they need a big chunk of time that's not being controlled by somebody else. And then in the morning for our reading, whatever it is they need to be reading. So most of the time it's history. When they're learning to read, it's McGuffey's. Uh, If they're studying a particular topic like space or um, Texas, then that's their reading slot. And so I don't segregate reading and history. Mm -hmm. And then like my older son, uh, once he gets to the age that he needs to be studying more civics and government and economics, that's his reading slot. Nice. And so they're never reading too much or writing too much. Yeah, that can that can put a serious strain on a kid. Uh, yeah, it's it's good to have high expectations, but at the same time, when you demand too much or push too hard, it can can go the opposite way too. Um, and they need time to build habits like cleaning their room and hygiene. You know. Yes. And yes. Stretching and exercising on their own. You just need time for or caring for the home. So. There's time for all of it if we keep the studies brief. Yeah, you know, but a lot of those things are are studies within themselves. They may not be, you know, what uh, what you get tested on in, in public school or, or what would show up on the, the SATs, but um, they're skills that are, are just as uh, useful to, to life as, as what you learn in school, uh, you know. I'm, I'm curious, so do you – how how deep do you go with like the civics and, and the government and the, the economics? Is that something that you um, pretty deep? Um, my children are stuck with me their whole <laughs> growing up years. So newspaper articles or podcasts are just constant fodder for 
mealtime conversation and we analyze what we read and what's missing or we compare it to another source and find out what is being left out in maybe the local newspapers reporting compared to um, another newspaper's reporting or a podcast. And my children have gotten really good at it. And so they can read an article and analyze it themselves. And this is all just in the context of a relationship. So it's not a set apart time or something I have them write. It's fine. That that is such a a vital skill, especially in, in today's world. You know, you, you to be able to to look at an article or the same topic from like two or three different sources and and piece it together yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you know, something's being left out everywhere, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, that's, that's neat. And the, uh, so it sounds like you guys are a, a fairly religious household. Um, was that something that played a, a part of things when you started homeschooling or was it, um, you know, just a part of it, I guess? Um, yeah, it's really just a part of it. It is important to me. I wrote down on a note card one time years ago what my two goals were. And one was uh, for my children to know the Lord. And the second was for their, like I said earlier, for their hearts to be tied to one another as siblings. And my children have whole family friends outside the home. They're on a first name basis with our postman, with the dry cleaners, with the antique seller. They could ride anywhere on their bike in Waco. And I knew that if they got into any kind of trouble, they would run into somebody that knew them and care for them. So I know that they're socialized with a lot of different people. So those two goals of them knowing the Lord and knowing each other well, I needed the time of them being at home to accomplish that. Now, as it turns out, there's other reasons to homeschool, (laughs) like modifying for my specific learners, or, you know, I have a child who's so interested in maritime history. He's read over 10,000 pages of ship history, and most of it is nonfiction. And he just wouldn't have had the time to pursue that and connect all the historical dots and the Um, the technological dots of ships through time and the weather information that he's learned and the culture from the different shipping nations. He just would not have had time to pursue that. I think if he were in school. Yeah, no, you you definitely don't, you know, because you're, you're busy studying something that you could, could not care less about, you know? Um, And it's just, it's, uh, it's nice to see that, to see the kids be able to, to really delve into a subject like that um, and get a, get a foundation early, you know, get a base early. And, and who knows, maybe that's something that they, they do when they grow up and, and they already have that, that there, you know, or maybe they know that, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, but nah, I'm not, not going to do that. Um, so. so Bible's part of our day in the morning, just reading scripture. And then sometimes, some years we would also sing hymns. And then of course we pray for people every day. And then sometimes we take a break from that Bible reading. And like with my little one, her uh, 
one project we did with her, and I also did it with my oldest when she was little, was an ABC Bible where we learned, she learned a scripture for every letter of the alphabet. Um, I remember G, God is love, <laughs> A, all things are made by him. And then she would write that verse on a four by six note card, and then we would have some art lesson to go with it. Uh, rather, it was um, learning how to draw apples in a basket from the website Art for Kids, I think is what it's called. They have great tutorials for kids. And then, so we'd have some kind of art lesson. So she had 26 art lessons, whether it was drawing or following a tutorial or learning something about colors or learning about borders. And then we put it all in one of those uh, plastic photo books from the 90s. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then she had all those scriptures and she had them stored up in her heart. And with the older kids, we made a Bible verse book. Each one of them had a blank journal. And I, we learned one scripture from each book of the Bible. So they started off with 66 scriptures. And then over time, I told the kids, you're going to have these books the rest of your life. And so when a verse comes up that's meaningful to them, they can go back to their Titus page and add the verse or their Genesis page and add the verse. And that worked really well with different ages. So one child that was young, I made it a tracer. I wrote the verse out in their book in real life print, and then the child wrote over it. And then for another child, I printed it out on a piece of paper so they could three-point copy from just that paper. And then the oldest child, he could three-point copy out of the Bible. No problems. Right. Very cool. I, I, that's, uh, that's, that's neat. That's unique. I, I kind of like that. Um, what what are the what what's been the the hardest thing about homeschooling for you? You think? Oh, um, see, nothing. <laughs> I just figure uh, that every day is a great day, and whatever we get done is enough. And if we need to stop what we're doing and help a hurting neighbor we're available to do that. Or if daddy's schedule changes and he ends up going into work, then we jump into our studies. And so. It's a great perspective to have. Um, you know, it really is. Yeah. We're free to do it. It's definitely something you get, you get tied down, you get too caught up in all the things you, you have to do or you need to do mm -hmm. or, and, and you miss out on the, the, the small things, the little things that are, are you really need to appreciate, you know, the things that, that you'll actually remember like later on in life. Um, all right. So, uh, you got your, your website there. Um, ask a homeschoolmom.net. Um, when, when did you put that thing together? Just a few months ago, I took up the offer that Tom Woods offered on his website of announcing my website if I went through his hosting. So that's what motivated me. And that's how I met you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I heard that. So, hey, it might, might be interesting. So um, what, what is it that you, uh, that you do there? So since I've been homeschooling for so long, I know it's nice to sometimes filter a question through the experience and perspective of another homeschooling parent. So my thought was people could ask me a quick question and I would get back to them. 
And then if I don't know the answer, I'd ask another veteran homeschooler or a current homeschooling parent or one of my children. <laughs> and so that has been, um, has worked out with what few questions I've gotten. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking at it and there's definitely, there's lots of, of resources there. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, some of the, the books that you kind of, you know, you lay out and, and what works here and what works there. And, and it is, it's nice to be able to, to talk to other parents that have already done this, um, you know, and, and either get their input or, or get their, their insight. Um, it is, it's kind of one of the, one of the reasons I'm trying to do this thing, you know, um, just to, to hear conversations and, you know, everybody has their, their own story and, and what works for them. And, um, you know, so on my website, I try to answer questions, not only how I homeschool, I try to answer people's questions in the way they want to homeschool. And so like this one mom wrote and she wanted a very specific question about, um, how to learn English online for her child. And um, I didn't tell her, oh, you could just have your child read and then you have them give you a narration and then you turn the narration into a dictation by typing it yourself and then you have her read it back to you and then you can diagram one of those sentences and talk about the parts of speech. No, she doesn't want to hear that. She wants to know where can she get good quality English video online? That's of course not a class. And I am glad to help all parents with what they are trying to accomplish, which includes fulfilling the requirements of their particular states. And I try not to answer questions they don't ask. How do you keep up on some of the standards and stuff? It's interesting to me and I feel responsible to know it. And I just always have felt responsible to know about um, that Tennessee is testing and California wants someone in the home to be certified teacher. That's just interesting to me. And then I certainly value that Texas trust parents. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's nice to be in a place where you have a little bit more leeway that, uh, you know, you don't have to, like you said, with, with California, um, is it, do you have to have a certified teacher in the house? It was at one time. Okay. I, I knew, I know it's, you know, fairly strict. Um, Which is a very small group of people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and if, you know, you want to homeschool your kids, then are you going to go get your degree? And, and what does that cost? You know, right? how much, how much money are they going to make off that? Getting your, uh, you know, licensing and keeping it up to date and taking tests every three years or whatever it is. But freedom, even in the states that require lesson plans. When I was a school teacher, I submitted a lesson plan, but it was before we did everything for the week. And at the end of the week, what really got accomplished with my hundred students might actually look different, but I was not in trouble. They just wanted me to have some plan and present it to them. And they kept an eye on it, but I still had the freedom to modify during the week even in a public school. So, you know, in public school. I think they, they, uh, I don't know, for, for new teachers anyway, when I was 
in in the school system. They they wanted to see it. Yeah, you had to see uh, handed in basically daily, you know, um, oh. of what you're going to do. And, you know, you got to have all this stuff. And it was just, it, it uh, yeah, what objectives you were meeting and what the section number of the law that matched that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you think about that as a, as a teacher and, and, you know, what your, the, the amount of time, the amount of effort um, of brain space that you're then able to give to your kids, give to your students, you know, and it's, uh, <laughs> greatly diminished by all the uh the the rigmarole that you gotta jump through so yeah but uh all right um so your your website again is askahomeschoolmom.net right yeah you anywhere else facebook twitter instagram anything okay but people can submit questions online and i'll answer them as quickly as possible and the answer appears online for others to read and refer to in the future and then questions that are specified to like a buying choice a mom wanted to know if she needed a test packet to go with something I could tell she was needed a quick answer and I was able to answer her within 24 hours and I was kind of surprised that that was the question that I got I wondered why she couldn't find the answer herself and then after I answered her she was so grateful and she told me that she was just starting and so my ability to find the answer for her and then also let her know how to find the answer really helped her and gave her confidence for her future. Some questions require a little more thought and typing and may take a couple of days to answer. And then I have a subscriber option so folks can get email alerts when a new question is asked and answered. Nice. Nice. I, I encourage people to go check that out. And if they do have questions to um, to ask them, you certainly have have been there a while and have the the ability to to do the research and and know what you're you're doing so and if anyone in your audience gets discouraged and wants to quit they can write me and i will convince them otherwise and i will help them figure out how to modify their homeschooling so that it is sustainable for the whole family and usually that means reducing academic requirements and not following a school model at home Mm -hmm. yeah all right it's it's funny because it sounds bad. We're gonna like, reduce the the academic standards, but it's I don't know. I feel like people get get caught on that. You know that uh, you have to do exactly what the school is doing. We have to learn exactly what the school is learning, and I mean that's that's just not what it is. You know, and I, I've seen people get caught up on that. You know, I just pulled my kid out of sixth grade, and this is what they're doing in sixth grade, and I have to stay on on top of this and do this and that, and it just it's okay. You know, we got to convince ourselves it's, it's, it's okay. We're taking our kids out for a reason, you know, um, and remember those reasons. So, And you're not a school, you're a family. And the model of the school doesn't lend itself to a family. Nope. No, it does not. No, it does and not at all. It's just not that hard. We just, there's just, you can condense the learning into just like concentrated orange juice, just this small, you take out all the water and the fluff and you have this really concentrated flavor. And because you're not learning with 30 other people, you can learn so much more quickly. And my children even acknowledge this. And they tell me, thank you for homeschooling us. Because then they can get things done. And they're smarter 30 minutes later. And then they can get on with something else. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I can't agree more. Uh, Anyway, Carrie, I, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, I will post uh, the 
link to your, your website there in the show notes. love freedom? Do you love songs? Do you want to love all 365 days in a year? If you're anything like me, the simple answer is yes. And Freedom Song 365 can deliver all of these things. When you sign up for Freedom Song 365, you will receive an email every day that delves into the different ways freedom and liberty are messaged in a massive catalog of music. Each message is carefully crafted into easily consumable paragraphs that give you the necessary information to share with your friends. I've been receiving Freedom Song 365 emails every day of 2019, and I've yet to be disappointed. But really, why should I be? With the fabulous minds of Nikki P. from the Sounds Like Liberty podcast, my guest from episode 4, Sherry Voluntary, and the wonderful Luke Tatum of the Culture of Peace podcast, there's more brain power utilized in the creation of each individual Freedom Song 365 email than is proffered in a whole day at any DMV across the country. Head on over to freedomsong365.com and sign up today to start receiving your daily emails of musical integrity. Use the promo code HOMESTEAD and you'll receive 15% off the superb service. Again, that's freedomsong365.com, promo code HOMESTEAD for 15% off. Huzzah! So, if you got a question about homeschooling, it's not answered here, or you're having trouble, or you want a second opinion, or whatever it is, go check her out. Askahomeschoolmom.net. She has so much information out there to give, and she will find it for you, and um, she enjoys it. So so go, go take her up on that offer. Uh, at the top of the show, I mentioned the show notes and all the links in there. Uh, you can go to homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon, and that will take you to our affiliate link, which you can click and... Uh, Help, help me out there. Or of course you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie. And uh, if that's not your thing, that's cool. Go, uh, go write a review on iTunes. Go click that five star thing in iTunes and um, share it around. Share it around on, on Facebook or, or tell your mom, tell your sister, tell your, your local farmer, who, whoever, whoever you want. Tell somebody, tell somebody. Uh, that's, that's how these things kind of grow, I guess, is, is word of mouth, right? Um, Anyway, uh, you can also find this show and other shows on the Liberty Hippie Network, which you can find in iTunes as well. And, and on that network are uh, some friends of mine, some, some guests you may have heard in the past, including Luke Tatum and uh, Miss Rachel Kennerly Watson. Um, so their shows are, are wrapped into that, that network and uh, in one feed, one feed, you get all of these wonderful shows. You should definitely check it out. And another thing, Carrie and I mentioned today that I found her through Tom Woods. Um, and he was, I, we mentioned him back in episode number 36 with uh, Brent DeRitter. And if you don't know who Tom Woods is or, or what he is about, if uh, the things I, I talk about um, pique your interest, you should, you should go check him out. You should go find him and uh, give him a listen and um, see, what, see what he's got to say. So come back next week when my guest will be Mr. John Moody, and uh, we'll be talking about a, a handful of, of homesteady things, and in that handful of things, we will be talking briefly about um, the Rogue Food Conference, and what that is, and where it is, and why you should go. So uh, go check it out, 
preload that information into your brain. And then when I have John back on the show, you'll be able to, uh, to understand some things and really, really make some things click. Uh, that's, that's all for now. Thank you for, for checking this out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And if you have written a review or clicked buttons and followed links, thank you. I, I appreciate it. But uh, that's, that's all for today. So uh, get out there. Sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together. Dream. I'm gonna ride us his dream.